Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU. I am your host, Andrei Degler. In our today's episode, I would like to play back a conversation with Andrei Brasoviano, partner at Excel, who joined the VC back in 2014, which is almost at the same time as TechEU was launched. So listen to Robin Wouters, our editor, comparing notes with Andrei, but also listen to learn more about how DealFlow works at Excel, what's the firm's fintech anti-portfolio like, the new funds closed by Excel worth 3 billion US dollars, and much more. So hey, hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual in these times by Andre. He is a partner at Excel, I think a venture firm we don't need to introduce anymore. But still, Andre, who are you and what do you do? Hey, Robin, thanks for having me. I'm Andre, one of the partners with Excel. I've been here based in London for seven years, helping lead our investments in Europe and Israel. You joined in 2014, that means. Uh, what were you doing before? What's your background? So I come from a math and computer science background. I used to work in a pretty different field, high-frequency trading as a quant in New York for a few years. When I business school, I uh, encountered the world of venture, uh, got really excited about the prospect of working closely with founders, and that brought me to Excel. Yeah, which is a pretty, pretty well-known big venture firm, of course. What attracted you to the world of VC uh, specifically? It's interesting where I think venture can mean different things for different people. I love it that it's in some sense a blank canvas where you can very much design the role uh, that suits you. And what excited me about Excel is that it's an incredibly proficient organization, very much at the forefront of venture, but also a very collaborative organization that puts founders at its center. So the prospect of working with very ambitious people all over the world in topics emerging from day-to-day consumer topics to very complex technical areas really attracted me. And um, I love the, the intellectual curiosity that comes with it and the fact that the, the areas we spend time in really change dramatically every three, six months. I feel it's a privilege to be able to, to do what I'm doing. And it's something I'd be doing um, even if, I, if this was a hobby and, and not, uh, not a full-time job. Yeah, but I feel pretty much the same way. Like as a tech journalist, you're, you get sort of a front row seat of where where uh, the future is headed. So, so it's, a, it's a pretty exciting space, especially in Europe these days, which brings me to my next question. In seven years, you must have seen the same thing we did because we're almost eight years old now uh, with TechEU, uh, which is the, the ecosystem or the ecosystems have changed uh, tremendously, especially in the last two, three years, things have picked up, um, scaling up more ambitious founders, more capital in the game, more uh, global leaders emerging from Europe and all over Europe, not just in, in, in some hubs. So I, I was wondering from your perspective, how do, you, how do you sort of evaluate what has happened since you joined Excel up until now? Sure. I mean, it's, it's been nothing short of incredible what we've seen. I would say even when I joined, there was a clear understanding of the technical depth Europe has and the leadership we have that's very much fragmented and distributed across Europe, right? So we would meet very technical team across Israel and Germany and around certain universities in the Nordics and, and France, of course. But what's been very recent over the past few years is the unprecedented pace of company creation that has uh, complemented this uh, strong technical edge. You know, even five, 10 years ago, you had to justify why Europe could produce sizable venture outcomes. These days, that topic has been settled and you have Several iconic companies have emerged out of Europe, you know, starting with Spotify and Supercell on the consumer side, but more and more in software. And as we've seen with the journeys of companies like UiPath or Salonis, many others waiting in the wings, you have companies emerging out of Europe who are very much redefining entire industries. And 
in turn motivating newer generation of founders through employees joinings or or kind of founders angel investing in the ecosystem. So there's a there's a lot of feedback effect in the ecosystem that's compounding, and we we now see the fruit of that compounding effect where both at the late stage but also the very early company creation stage the caliber of founders we meet and the sheer numbers of interesting companies are just incredible. Yeah. And just I should have probably asked this in the beginning, but uh, give me a bit of an elevator pitch when it comes to Excel. Like what type of stage do you typically invest in? Where do you invest? How many partners do you have on board? Um, sort of the, the, the basic numbers, I guess. For sure. Happy to. So we're one of the, the oldest venture capital firms originating in the Valley. Uh, so we were founded in 1983 on the Stanford campus. Uh, because we always felt we want to be close to where the action is rather than somewhere on Sand Hill Road. And then what also set up, sets us apart is that we were early believers in that founders can emerge from anywhere. We actually set up the team in London in 2000, so 21 years ago. And we also have a team in Bangalore for more than a decade now. So we we really strive to back founders all across the world uh, because we do think entrepreneurship is not exclusive to Silicon Valley. And we also know that ambitious founders, they do want to take their businesses global. They don't want to just to build local champions. And we believe our footprint all across the world really enables founders to access the, the best talent, the best advisors, and the best levers they can get for their business. Here in Sunbase so in the London office, uh, where we back Primarily um, businesses originating in uh, Europe and Israel, but many of them, especially in software, tend to have headquarters in the US. We I'm one of the partners here, which six partners in London. Uh, we have a team investment team of around 15 folks. Uh, and if you look globally, it's probably around 20-ish partners and an investment team of maybe 50. Uh, so it's large, definitely for a venture capital firm, but given the footprint we have and the um, the yeah, number of companies we've back is actually quite a small team. So we strive in having a boutique approach to the companies we've back. And it's um, a very selective investment strategy. And um, we want to make sure we devote a lot of time to each company we back. Great. Okay. What do you do for deal flow? Is it the typical, you know, just hearing from other founders, word of mouth, going to events? Uh, or do you have a specific software in place that sort of helps you uh, track companies at the early stage so you can keep an eye on them? Or uh, how does deal flow work at Excel? For sure. I mean, for a firm of our size, you kind of have to do everything. What I would say as a general philosophy is that we strive to be incredibly proactive across every dimension. A key pillar of our sourcing effort is a prepare mind approach, which essentially means taking a topic, typically an emerging topic, and um, really bear hugging that topic and kind of turning it upside down, which means talking to a lot of technical experts, meeting every single company, doing anything adjacent to that area, speaking with our portfolio companies to understand their needs for a particular uh, solution, solving that pain, you know, understanding the market. So kind of everything we can do kind of from a top-down perspective that can help us identify if an area is interesting. And then we strive to find the best team globally tackling that problem. So what, what this means is that we, we're essentially very outbound focused in our approach. We try to make sure we get in front of the right opportunities rather than those opportunities finding us. That being said, you know we have been on the ground in Europe for more than 20 years now, and we have been fortunate to nurture an incredible network of co-investors, uh, specifically angel investors and seed funds who are kind enough to to introduce us to great opportunities and portfolio. So we actually, a, a big part of the deal flow is also 
how should I say, very high quality inbound introductions. But the prepare my concept still prevails in that before we get that introduction, we will have had a lot of our homework done in a category and we're able to decide pretty quickly how we want to move forward. So yeah, it, it, you kind of have to be, especially in a market like this, which is moving much faster, you know, in a remote environment, you know, we have seen the deals, especially early stage deals get done in days. You need to do a lot of work beforehand before, you know, to be able to decide quickly in a, in a competitive process or to even, you know, be able to avoid such a process by building a relationship with the founders uh, a priori and, you know, convincing them to, to work with you instead of anyone else. Great. I think that's a great summary. Uh, you're using words, of course, but we try and we strive because no method of, of sourcing deal flow is perfect, of course. Uh, what are some of the companies in Europe that you haven't backed that you wish you had? The anti-portfolio, if you want to call it that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's it, as the ecosystem grows, it's natural that um, we'll have a growing anti-portfolio as well. I would say, if I think of software, I'm pretty happy with the software companies we back. And I think we have been fortunate to be early backers of many of the iconic software companies emerging out of Europe. I think in fintech, we also have a, a fairly strong track record. Recently, probably we've done a bit less in consumer. And I think naturally we've been drawn more towards software. But there have been, definitely been some companies, probably Ad, Adian is a, is a great one we've missed. Checkout is another one in, in payments recently. Yeah, it, it's... Um, Great. Well, thanks. Thanks for being yeah. a good sport. I'm sure we can companies. find more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more. Uh, but that brings me to my next question because I already mentioned it, but there's also an abundance of capital uh, available. We see the, the record numbers every month uh, of funding going to European companies. Uh, it makes for a very, very competitive environment, I'm sure. Uh, lots of new venture firms, uh, lots of venture firms from the US and Asia who weren't paying attention to Europe before are now really, really actively scouting the market as well. Uh, you have sovereign wealth funds, you have you know, private equity houses like Tiger Global and KKR looking very actively to late stage activity here as well. Where does Excel sit in, in all of this? Because do you feel that that sort of competitiveness rising uh, within the team as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the high level, I would say it's great to finally have more sources of capital for founders in Europe. I mean, for two decades, we've been complaining that uh, there was just this capital gap, especially kind of once you move beyond the seed stage. And Many founders, I think, to this day, still find it challenging to, to finance their companies. So I think it's great right now that you have a great set of backers. And I think overall, the level of professionalism in the industry in Europe has increased a lot over the last few years, right? Where you don't have these very onerous terms anymore. Things have standardized. Deals happen much faster in a good way for founders, right? Where you don't have to kind of be off the grid for six months because you're trying to corral tons of local investors. And... In some sense, the, the market has normalized a bit and there's a standard of professionalism right now, which is in the industry. And I think that's a great thing. In terms of how that makes our job easier or harder, there's probably both, right? So from one perspective, many of the companies we back have abundant access to fallen capital. And, you know, especially some in some categories, I think winners get coined much earlier because they have access to essentially endless distribution and companies we see you know, these days grow much faster, they scale much faster, they hire much faster, they also burn more than they used to do five years ago. It's probably become a bit more winner takes all globally versus let's say, you know, 10 years ago, you would have a CRM leader in France and a CRM leader in Germany and so on. Right now, there's just one global market and you kind of have to play the in the big league, which means it's always great to have um, on our side, 
partners on the board with deep pockets who can can be collegial and we can work closely with them. When it comes to some of the downside, I mean, I would say in general things, deals do get faster. There's definitely some level of price inflation, especially for great companies. But it's, um, listen, the, the onus is on us to continue staying at the head of the game and yeah, making sure we're still the firm of choice for the founders we want to work with. Great. Um, you mentioned uh, one of the, the big problems in Europe uh, was always the, the funding gap that sort of existed on the later stages, uh, which is now being solved, I would say, uh, at least beginning to be solved. Um, the other problem, or at least the perceived problem in the last uh, decade or so, was also exits. You know, not a lot of exit options, uh, quickly getting flipped to either US or Asian companies and not going sort of all the way. Uh, we've seen that change quite a lot, even this year, uh, the amount of IPOs and, and SPAC deals and, you know, uh, just, you know, raising mega runs just to 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 be be private a bit longer and, and go for the, 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 the sort of the end game. Do you think that's a that's an evolution that's here to stay? Or uh, do you think that's just the way that the markets are operating now and that we'll see sort of a, a slowdown in the coming years? For sure, I, I think that's a very healthy development. And I do think there are many reasons why there will be a better exit environment going forward. And I think there are a few drivers of that, right? So on one hand, you have these, what I call iconic world companies emerging out of Europe, right? And you have many more of these and they're able to list on global exchanges, particularly NASDAQ or NYSE. And you know that's a great source of liquidity also for many of the early backers originated out of Europe in these companies. Second, we've seen there's much more liquidity on local exchanges. Um, and for example, the LSE has been striving to, to champion more company-friendly models. Uh, we recently saw the direct listing of WISE, and I can see LSE becoming an ever more attractive place to, to list the company, particularly if you have a stronger UK presence. But that being said, you know we, we have some listings in Germany and France and Poland, um, and it's great that there are multiple avenues of public markets exit um, emerging out of Europe. And the last thing I would mention is that um, there's actually a growing exit path in, in, in the mid-sized world for M&A. You know, it used to be, if you think 10 years ago, if you have a software company that perhaps doesn't make it all the way to, to going public, there was a substantial discount to coming out of Europe in terms of the price you could get. Also, it wasn't very liquid, right? So very few software M&As, for example, would happen in Europe. But these days, especially North American companies have woken up to the fact that there's incredible talent in Europe that um, they want to have a strong engineering hub here. So we have seen many acquisitions in the hundreds of millions happening across Europe or even less for the equal hire uh, stage, which I think is great, right? Because not every company will become a 10 plus billion dollar public company. And we want to make sure there's enough liquidity that's you know more evenly or more broadly distributed across the, the startup landscape. We managed to go almost 18 minutes without talking about the recent news uh, from Excel, uh, not only closing a fund, but closing multiple funds. Do you want to walk us through the, the recent announcements? For sure. So we're, for us, we want to make sure that our, our day-to-day is pretty much the same. We, we strive to back the, the best founders and we want to make sure we have the right pools of capitals to do that. The, the funds we announced are essentially uh, a global set of funds that empower us to continue backing founders all across the world. So we have raised our latest European fund with $650 million, our latest U.S. early stage fund of also $650 million, and a growth fund of $1.8 billion, uh, which complements our 
previously raised growth fund a few months back, 2.3. So overall, in the last six months, we've raised close to $5.5 billion. And what that empowers us to do is to continue backing founders from the very early stages all the way to pre-IPO. What I would add is that we still have a very much an early stage investment mindset in that sense, where we strive to be the first call of founders and make sure we're active board members and actively engaged. So even when we invest in the late stages, oftentimes we may target bootstrap companies, or even if it's companies that may have raised from other firms in the past, we, we do try to make sure we're, we can actively contribute to their story and be more than just a logo on their website. So yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic news. And you know, for us, it's a way to work closely across all the global efforts and across the early and growth efforts to make sure we can support companies as they scale globally throughout their entire life cycle. And maybe just for the record, the growth fund is meant to sort of double down on the window wherever they are, wherever they come from, um, to do follow-on rounds. Uh, is that the way I, I should understand it? Yeah, so we'll be doing both net new investments as well as follow-ons in existing portfolio companies. Do you foresee any change in, well, not a change in strategy, but more a shift towards uh, certain verticals that you weren't actively investing in before? I'm thinking maybe sustainability, climate tech. And do you also have, uh, this is a follow-up question, but do you also have a policy to maybe increase the diversity of the teams that you invest in, which is, you know, much uh, talked about topic in the the venture community these days uh, in Europe and beyond? For sure. Yeah. So if I can uh, take those questions one by one. So what's, what's beautiful about Excel is that we've actually stayed pretty consistent for the past close to 40 years. We're definitely following the environment closely, making sure we fine-tune our strategy. But in the in essence, our strategy is based on real fundamentals of backing incredibly ambitious founders in huge markets. And that being said, you know, we'll I'd say that the topics we spend time in change from fund to fund as it's natural, right? And if you take Europe in particular, if you think of the early 2000s, we were doing lots of you know semiconductor deals and kind of more telco deals and you know deeper tech investments. 10 years later, as we had this huge consumer wave in Europe, we we're doing, you know, we, we backed Supercell and Spotify and you know many marketplace, food delivery businesses and so on. Over the past five years, we've seen an incredible software surge and we were able to be early backers of companies like Salonis or Snake or UiPath. And we've seen a lot of depth in both enterprise software as well as developer into software and security. So actually, a lot of our effort moved predominantly enterprise-focused. And then very recently, uh, we're seeing a, a strong surge in fintech, crypto, new areas like B2B marketplaces and so on. So we're devoting more time to those. So it's 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 um, we'll be shooting ourselves in the foot kind of saying, hey, we want to spend 30% of the funding and invest 30% of the funding consumer and, and, and so on. Uh, we want to stay nimble and be open-minded towards where the opportunities may come. On the, Inclusion front, this is actually, I mean, you know, everyone, including ourselves, we, we need to do a better job on it. We're definitely starting with ourselves to make sure we have a, a diverse team. We're very proud to have a, a very broad set of flags in our existing investment team and, and also make sure we have um, lots of women. And, and you know, we, we very much reflect the type of organization we want to be on the um, you know, set of companies we back, we have backed a, a few women-led companies and CEOs, and we want to do much more. And I would say many, many companies we work with do have a DNI program or policy in place. A couple, are, I would say, are very much thought-leading in that regard. You know, companies like Persona or so, or 
in others, you know, we are the ones uh, on the board, you know, or urging the companies to to make sure they follow on that effort and they take it a, as a board priority the same way commercial priorities uh, are also counted. Um, it's a multi-year effort where you kind of have to be very proactive and deliberate to make it work because unfortunately it's not a, um, there's no kind of silver bullet or silver hire you can make that will solve things yeah. overnight. And it takes time, of course. And uh, yeah, I was just going to say, great that you're being proactive about this. And hopefully you will see it reflected in the statistics as well over time. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. I have a final question for you. Of course, record-breaking numbers every every day, every month. Uh, it's been quite exciting to, to see the European tech scene evolve uh, the way that it has. But do you have any concerns? Do, is there anything that you see in the market right now that, that is a cause of concern for you and or your partners? Listen, in any kind of more... Busy time, you, you you have to stay disciplined. Overall, I, I'm incredibly excited about about everything we're seeing, about the great pace of company creation, the the great teams who decide to be founders, the way day to day customer experiences are are getting reshaped by technology. In many ways, it feels like the very beginning, uh, and even though it's been going on for twenty plus years, the opportunity you had is so massive that uh, all of this makes me incredibly excited and. I know I'm sure we'll have various hype stages in, in various areas, and I think that's normal with every new technology. And it's our job to stay cool-headed, to encourage the founders we work with to do the same and focus on the, um, on the goals that matter at the end of the road. Great. Well understood. Uh, thank you for sharing your insights. Can't thank you enough for the time you spent uh, you know, on the other side of the screen for this. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, also hope to hear from a lot of uh, future Excel investments and, uh, and you sharing them with TechEU so we can share them with the audience as well. Uh, Andre, thank you so much for your time and uh, have a nice weekend. Thanks so much, Robin. Really appreciate it. And this is it for our today's episode. Big thanks to Andre for coming on the show, to Robin Wouters for recording this conversation, and of course, big thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts, and if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Audio engineering for this podcast is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are always very welcome. Please send them to podcast at tech.eu. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andrew Degler, and I will talk to you again very soon. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.